I want to start this morning with Luke 2.52. I talked about that here just a few weeks ago a little bit, but I want to have an opportunity to elaborate just a little further on Luke 2.52. When Jesus was 12 years old and, and his parents had taken him, lost him for a while, <clears throat> and uh, recaptured him, <laughs> refound him. And <clears throat> he got a little rebuke from his parents and said, Hey, don't you know I have to be about my father's business? They didn't really understand completely what he was talking about, but we're going to. Verse 51 Then he went down with them. And came to Nazareth, 2.51 and 52. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature And everybody say together with me, in favor with God and men. And in favor with God and men. Something that I really feel is is very important, that's why I wanted to start with this, that, that as we continue to learn more about Jesus, operate in what he has for us, that we need to be subject to, that we need to be asking for spiritual wisdom and guidance that we may have influence. That word stature, you know, he, he grew in wisdom and in stature, and I don't believe that that just means that he grew tall and he grew you know, broader shoulders, that he grew in, in wisdom, in, in godly wisdom and in stature, which is the standing that he had with men, is how men saw Jesus. It's like he was a man of great stature, not that he was huge, but he was absolutely huge in the spirit. He was huge in the influence that he had with, with people and the favor that he had with both God and man. Stature. Benjamin Franklin was a man of, of stature of, among men. Abraham Lincoln, a man of stature among men. That makes sense right now? S- stature. Not, not just, I mean, we think of King David when he was being selected, when Samuel was selecting him, and he was the smallest. He was the runt right then, 15, 14, 15-year-old guy. But God saw the heart. He was of big stature in the eyes of God. Okay, that we, that we end up increasing. Jesus was our example, right? Absolutely. That we continue to increase in wisdom and stature, and in so doing, we will continue to increase in favor with both God and men. Okay, we're going to go Old Testament here for a little while. And then we're going to come back, Old Testament, New Testament. We're going to bounce around just a little bit. I'm going to give you some, some forewarning. It'll be a, a treasure hunt here. <clears throat> I believe that God has a fairly a strong <clears throat> message for us this morning. Uh, so much so that I ended up 
I felt like I heard, write this down. And there are two passages that I just wrote down that I will be reading exactly as I heard them. Okay. In the Old Testament, we have to realize that as we read and as we study Old Testament, I remember a few years ago, several years ago, that my mother-in-law and I were having a discussion, and I wasn't completely in agreement with her at that time. I said, I spend my time in the New Testament. That's after Jesus came and after Jesus was resurrected and, and, and the Gospels, and you know that's what's so important and so valuable. And she said, oh, I love to read the Old Testament. Wonderful stories in the Old Testament. You can learn so much there. And I was going, yeah, 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 but it's New Testament. Now I would say that there are so many lessons for us to be learned in the Old Testament as we read the stories because they cast such a shadow. It's types and shadows. It's things as we read those stories that can absolutely be applied to our lives today if we will read them, if we will absorb them and realize that this is an example of what what and who you can be today. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. Same God. Same God. He can do the same kind of miracles one, one big difference in the Old Testament, they had only the laws of Moses. Well, after Moses came on the scene. Prior to that, only the voice of God and angels. But the law of Moses, they were subject to the law of Moses. They were responsible for the law of Moses. And what that resulted in is death. Sin resulted in death. Something had to die. A sacrifice had to be made, blood had to be shed, flesh was burned. Right? Well, that, that, that was Old Testament law. That's the way that it had to work. When there was sin, there was death. <clears throat> now, I want to think of, I want us to think of, of the Old Testament as we're going through some of this as a reflection to the New Testament. And I'm going I'm to be addressing that trying to lead, navigate through some of that as we go. But I want to talk about King Saul. Samuel anointed Saul to be king. They wanted a king. The the children of Israel wanted a king. Samuel anointed Saul to be king. God selected Saul to be king. And Saul started out doing a pretty good job. But we're going to start where... God's beginning to reject Saul, where Saul was messed up. Saul needed to be, as we all need to be, obedient to the word of the Lord. That's the most important thing that we can do, is to be obedient to the word of the Lord. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Incredibly valuable and important, the word of God and being obedient to it. We all agree? Everybody say amen then. Okay. I want to start reading in in the 15th chapter uh, a little bit. I think that's how best to... Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent... 15th chapter, verse 1. The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore. 
After you hear or see therefore in the Bible, it means pay attention after this. Heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Saul, therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Samuel was the prophet. He was bringing the voice of the words. He was the voice of the words of the Lord to Saul. The prophet Samuel was the voice of the words of the Lord to Saul. And he said to Saul, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek. I will punish what Amalek did to Israel, how he laid for way in wait for them when he came up from Egypt. When he, they came up from Egypt. Now, go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have. Say, destroy everything. All right, we got three verses. No harmony, though. Destroy everything. The word of the Lord was destroy everything. Destroy all they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man, woman, infant, and nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. That's everything. I think reflected when they're Sin, when sin has been committed, something has to die, flesh has to be burned, blood has to be shed. So Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Talit, whatever that is, uh, but here's the important part, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the king, anyway, we'll just skip down. Saul attacked the, to verse 7, Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He took also, I, I mean, he, he, he did what he was supposed to do there. They, they attacked. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So he killed all the people. But Saul and the people, Saul and his people, spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they, that they utterly destroyed. So what was the word of the Lord? Destroy everything. Destroy everything. Put to death everything. You know, when I think of what we're called into, when we come to Christ Jesus, when we, when we come into our promised land, right here on earth, this, this, this promised land, He came that we would have life, have it to the abundance as it is in heaven, let it be on earth. His will, his kingdom come, his will be done. Okay, that there is an expectation as we believe in him, as we trust in him, as we receive his goodness and the things that he has for us, that our life is going to be changed. But there are some things in our life that have got to be put to death. We have to kill the flesh. Does this make sense? Our flesh, the things of our flesh, 
The sin that was in our lives, by putting our flesh to death, we're destroying all that was so that as we're baptized, we come out, we're ready to walk in newness of life, becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. I means some things have got to be put to death, crucified. <clears throat> Again, they were told, kill it, everything. But Saul and the people spared the king, Agag, the best of the sheep, the oxen, and all that. So I think, wow, why? I think, oh, well, let's just think back to the Garden of Eden. The voice of the enemy came into the Garden of Eden, spoke to Adam and Eve. They had an instruction, only one thing that they were told to do, and were disobedient in that because they listened to the tempting voice of the enemy, which sometimes I refer to as the voice of reason. Now, the voice of reason said, well, okay, look at these. Look at these sheep. This is some fine sheep, some fine oxen. My word, why would you kill them? Well, because God said so. Did God really, is that what he really wanted? Maybe we should save them so we could sacrifice them to him later. Uh, kind of a, a reasonable thought, yeah? No? But what did the voice of the Lord say? Destroy everything. It's all got to go. It's all got to die. But now that, that, that voice of reason comes like, ah, oh, you know what? That really doesn't make sense. And when the children of Israel came and when they first, you know, were led by Moses and, and they first sent spies into the promised land, what did the spies do? They came back with a report saying, ah, this doesn't really make sense. The land is occupied and it's occupied with giants. I don't think we can do this. I don't even think we should try this. Right? You all remember the report that came back from the, from the dozen spies that went? Only two of them said, oh, we can do this, we can do this. The other ten, the voice of reason told them that ain't no way we can do this. We'll be overpowered. We're as grasshoppers in their sights. I believe that same lying spirit was talking to them right here, right now, speaking to Saul and speaking to him through his people. It's kind of leaning on the people a little bit. This doesn't necessarily make sense to me to kill all them. I'm pretty sure that that's what Samuel the prophet said. If he heard accurately from God, then we're supposed to kill everything. What do you guys think? Should we kill everything? Does this make sense? Like, hmm, well... No, Saul, we shouldn't kill everything. Look at these things. We need, to take, we, we need to take them. We need to save them. Oh, and you know, that King Agag guy, I'm not so sure that we should just chop him up and kill him. You know, maybe he's okay. Maybe this guy's, maybe he's not that bad. You know, sometimes that, that we make in our lives we will make those kind of considerations and those kind of decisions. We can hear from the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're led by His Spirit. His Spirit lives in you. He leads you, guides you, will lead you into all truth. So being led by that Spirit, we, we hear that voice that says, you know, you got to kill it all, and, and, and this, this, yeah, this is the leader. This is the, the stronghold right here. This has got to be done away with. This has got to be killed. 
But we can end up meeting that face-to-face again, as Adam and Eve did in the garden, with that the enemy, with, with Satan, who, you know what? He kind of makes sense right here. Maybe he's not such a bad guy. Are you following me? You ever been in a situation like that where at first you knew you had a real check in your spirit, you knew in your heart, it's like, this is a bad situation, this is a bad deal, this, this person's like, and then you got to know them just a little bit, start to hear them talk, and it's like, oh, you know what? I could have been wrong. I could have, maybe, maybe I heard wrong. Where the tempting voice that came into the garden of them say, did he really say? Did God really say? It's like, I think he did. You know what? Maybe not. Let's, let's analyze this situation. Let's use some good common sense here and analyze this. You know, I don't think she's all, I don't think he's all that bad. I think maybe I was mistaken here. You ever been there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I had this check in my spirit. I wondered, I thought, God, that probably wasn't you. I think he's all right. I think she's all right. Let's just drag him along and keep an eye on him. We'll keep him locked up. How, what damage can he do now? All of his soldiers have been killed and wiped out. Are you with me? The reasoning, the reasoning. So they hung on to it. They kept him alive too. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. It's like, God regrets that he set up Saul as king. You know, one of the things I think in in my life is like, God, I I don't ever want to do something for you to regret putting me, bringing me into the place that, that you've brought me. Let me never be, never be uh, such a burden or, or such a disappointment to you that you would regret what you have done to me, through me, or for me. Mm. I greatly regret that I've set Saul up as king, for he's turned back from following me has not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. It's like, man, I just think of times in my life where there's somebody that I've mentored and I've prayed for, and I've watched them receive Jesus and not follow through, and felt just, sick and sorry and prayed some more and, and, and prayed some more and, and grieved and thought, there's so much potential. I see so much right here. Why can't you just listen and follow the word of the Lord? How many, how many can... So Samuel grieved and, and he grieved over Saul. When he rose up early in the morning, he went to meet Saul, and, and, and it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a, a monument for himself. So he messed up again. We're going to go to verse 16. Fast forward just a, a little bit. When Samuel said to Saul, Saul, be quiet. <laughs> like, Shut up. 
I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Saul said to him, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes. It's like, oh man. When we came before the Lord humbly and before the people humbly in our own eyes. Were you not head of the tribes of all Israel? Did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission, and he said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I've obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. And I brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder. Who was the leader? Who was the king? And he's blaming the people? What did Adam do when he got caught with his hand? In the, he blamed his wife. It's like, what's the first thing that we want? <laughs> the first thing we want to do is find somebody to blame. I would like to pass that. I find somebody to blame. I know I'm the king. I know I'm the leader. But the people made me do it. The people made me do it. The people took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed. But here was the reasoning, Lord. It was to sacrifice to you. And Samuel called a baloney. Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? It's like, oh, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed better than the fat of lambs. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Everybody say, rebellion is as witchcraft. And remember that. Man, I used to say all the time, well, I've had, I just had a rebellious nature. And you know what? We do have a rebellious nature. And that is sin in our lives. And that nature has to go. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Say, like, well, I'm just a little stubborn. It's like, whoa, what does God say about stubbornness? Is as iniquity and idolatry. It's like, man, when you hear the word of the Lord, or you hear the teaching that comes into alignment with the word of the Lord, and you decide that your opinion is more valuable than his word or his command, your opinion has become an idol in your life. That's kind of scary to think about, isn't it? When your opinion becomes more important than his word, your opinion has become an idol in your life. I just wrote that right there in my Bible. 
Any stubbornness is as iniquity in idolatry. Your opinion can become an idol in your life. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. It's like, wow, right here, as I was reading that for the several several times, I felt, not felt, I'm confident that the Lord gave me this to write down exactly uh, what, what Saul had just gone through. It's like listening to the people. He had heard very clearly from the prophet of God, came to him, told him what to do, how to do it in exact detail, and he botched that up so badly. And his excuse was listening to the people. And I really do believe that the people had a significant, a significant impact on the opinion and the decisions that he made. Well, you believe that? Yeah. He consulted with the people rather than following and listening to the voice of God. That still is like, uh, uh, uh. If, and here's what I wrote right here. It's like, if you put people or relationships before me, you will never walk fully in the grace or anointing for If you put people or relationships before me, you will never walk fully in the grace or anointing for that which I have called you. Did you hear that? I believe that's a word from the Lord this morning. If you put people or relationships before me, you will never walk fully in the grace or anointing for that which I have called you. For the plan or purpose for your life, you will never, never walk fully in the unmerited favor, the grace that comes with that appointment, or, or in the full anointing that he has for you if you put people or relationships before him. That makes me then think back of the, of the Jack Taylor quote that I've used so often. Anything that you have to check with first before you can say yes to God is an idol in your life. Now listen to Saul said to Samuel, Oh, wow, it's been pointed out. I've sinned. I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words. Because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Ooh. Fear of man, fear of man, fear of man. Everybody say, fear of man. I will not fear man. Because I fear God. I love God. I choose to serve Him. My greatest desire is to obey His voice. Then Samuel, or then Saul goes on to say, Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And 27, as Samuel turned around 
to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore away. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Oh. Also, the strength of Israel will not lie or relent, for he is, a, he is not a man that he should relent. Like this man that I've chosen, he's, he's powerful. He will follow through. He's a man after God's own heart. He will hear his word, and he will, will, will be consistent. He will follow through. Then uh, Saul says again, verse 30, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. What was important to him right there? It was the people. It wasn't worshiping the Lord God. It was the people and how the people saw him, that they would continue to value him and hold him up. It's like, oh, ah, <laughs> honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. It's like, oh, so sad right there, so sad. Samuel mourned for Saul, and he continued to mourn for Saul because he loved Saul. He, he, he mentored Saul. He might say he pastored Saul. He, prophet, he spoke the prophetic words. He led Saul. And so he was greatly, greatly, greatly bereaved and sad for Saul. But look what the Lord says next. Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted once again that he had made Saul king over Israel. Then the Lord said to Samuel, How long, how long will you mourn for Saul? Just how long will you mourn for Saul? I need to back up. I skipped one part. I've sinned in your honor. Take me back. So Samuel turned back with him, and they worshiped the Lord. Then, I'm sorry, verse 32. We're backtracking just a little bit. Then Samuel said, bring Agag, king of the Amalekites, here to me. So they shoved him out there, and Agag came to him cautiously. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I used to have a dog that was such a good dog that we never even penned him up. We just let him run around all the time. Skeeter was his name. And, and that dog was such a good dog 95% of the time. But probably once a month, he had to go out and party. On Monday nights, the neighbors that would set their garbage out he would leave the yard, go around and visit every garbage can that he could get into, pick the choicest morsels and drag them over into our yard. And I would walk outside and he would see me and like, he would duck down and kind of creep around to try to get around the corner because he knew he'd messed up. It's like, Skeeter? I mean, I beat that dog with a, with a belt. I whipped him with a belt. I went and I beat him with bags of garbage and everything else. And 
didn't do a bit of good. He would be good for a month, and then he would have to go do it again. And he did that till he died. And I didn't kill him. But, man, when that dog died, even despite his bad behavior, that little bit of that, that bad behavior that he did, man, we all stood around and cried and buried that dog and had a, had a funeral for him. And, and it wasn't until Saul died that Samuel visited him again. Then the Lord said to Samuel, now we can move to where... Where we were, chapter 16, Then the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Ah. Fill your horn with oil and go. I love that saying right there. I think, Fill your horn with oil and go. It's like, okay, it's time to get up. It's time to get on with it. The time for mourning is over. Fill your horn with oil and go. Everybody say, fill your horn with oil and go. Fill your horn with oil and go. Man. I'm going to have to fast forward here. Another something that I have written down here. We, we, we. we are called to be that, that, that influence. As Jesus grew, as he grew in wisdom, authority, uh, stature, favor with both God and man, it's the same thing that we are supposed to do. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, know ye not, I'll just, you want to, Let's see which scriptures to bring up. I'm not going to have time to do nearly all of this, Linda. Uh, First Corinthians three nine. First Corinthians third chapter verse nine. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You were God's building. You ever processed that before? We're God's fellow workers. I mean, we were born, we were created for good works. You are God's field. You are God's building. Then we move down to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we're the field of God, we're the building, we're co-workers with Him, His field and His building. The building that He chooses to dwell in. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy God of the Holy Ghost? It's like, okay. What? 
I'm going to going to talk a little more, but I want to read the other thing that I wrote down, the two things that I think really are the, the, the potent words from the Lord this morning. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the priest of that temple. You are the guardian of that temple. You're the one responsible for keeping that temple to be a good, clean living space in which for him to dwell. He will give you the instructions and the resources to do so. Hmm. It's like when we're led by the Holy Spirit, He is in there, He's speaking to us, and if there's something that He's not very comfortable with in this temple, it's our responsibility to make those corrections, to do those cleanups, to do the whatever, and he's going to give us the resources and whatever we need to accomplish that. We'll be endued with power from on high when the Holy Spirit has come upon us, but we are the guardians, something that I just felt so strongly this morning. We're the guardians. We're the priests of that temple. We are the ones that determine what's coming into this temple. He lives there, we worship Him. We praise Him. <laughs> he has empowered us. He will lead us into all truth. He gives us guidance, direction, authority, power. But it's our responsibility to maintain that temple in the, in the exact manner which His voice instructs us to do. His voice, His word. Does this make sense? I had to fast forward a little bit here, skip, skip just a little. I, I believe that as we're moving from Old Testament to New Testament, that in order to do this, the parallel is Old Testament, there was a lot of things that had to be put to death. New Testament, He is written on our heart. We no longer are subject to the law of Moses, so 600 and... Uh, 13, I believe, 613 laws that were written through Leviticus. We're not subject to those laws. Jesus was the fulfillment of that. He has then written the laws on our heart. On our heart. The Holy Spirit will remind us of those things as, as long as we stay in the Word. Teach us. Show us. Because it is very, very, very important. There are gifts in the Spirit, fruits of of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit working in our lives, is we're growing in wisdom, in holy wisdom and stature, and finding favor <laughs> in both God and man. That's the fruits of the Spirit working in our lives. The Holy Spirit working in our life is instructing us, like, you need to clean this up. You need to clean that up. We'll do this together. I'll give you the resources. I'll give you the instruction. And I will give you gifts in accordance to your faith and to the grace that's on your life. But you have to put me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things that you need will be added to you. And 
I think that's Let's go to Matthew 6, 9, and let's just read the Lord's Prayer together. I think this would be a great... Matthew uh, chapter 6, and I think that starting with... six five. Six, six, nine through 15. We'll stand together. Jesus gives us some very clear instruction. In this manner, therefore, pray. Together? Are we got it up there? All right. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, I just thank you. I, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you love us so much that you gave us your son that we could be completely set free, that no more does there have to be death and blood because your death, crucifixion, resurrection has fully paid the price, fulfilled the law, of both the prophets and the law of Moses, you fulfilled it all. You fulfilled it all. Anything that we see, hear, or know, if it doesn't point to you as the way, the truth, and the light, we reject it as a lie. Anything that doesn't point to you as the way, the truth, and the light, we reject it as a lie. We thank you. We, re we praise you. And we receive your word this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And together we said, Amen. God bless you. I'd like to ask the prayer team up here if anybody has a need this morning. If you've never, if you've never asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, and you want to commit your life to him this morning, I encourage you. Come on up here. There's somebody that would love to pray with you. You can be filled with his Holy Spirit this very day. God bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you, and give you his peace. Amen, amen, amen.